This is Sports Jam. I'm Doug Doyle. And when it comes to the world of sports memorabilia, my guest today is the expert. And his vision helped create a sports empire. Brandon Steiner is a famous sports marketer, author, and media personality. He was the founder and former CEO of Steiner Sports. Yeah, Steiner Sports. We all know Steiner Sports. Now owned by Fanatics. He's currently the founder and CEO of Collectible Exchange in the Steiner Agency. And what a pleasure it is to welcome Brandon Steiner to Sports Jam. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Um, love Steiner Sports. It was a great 30-year run and creation. Literally started with 4000 bucks. Love that company. I'm not, I'm not sure what Fanatics has done with it. But honestly, I love the mousetrap and, and, and this incredible platform that I've created now, Collectible Exchange, which... I will tell you, it's incredibly geared towards one thing and one thing only, fans. Like lunatics like you, which I already see behind you. I'm like, I, I wish I was in studio with you because it looks like you got some cool stuff. I do see a Yankee thing that maybe slipped in it. Could that be Bernie Williams? That Did is Bernie work? Williams, yep. I, I in- knew you had some class and taste. <laughs> I mean, but you know, listen, you got you to have a lot of love for you because you've been struggling now with well, you're struggling with your Steelers. I'm not sure what happened to them. We're not going to go down that road. But, you know, the Pirates are a struggling team. And But you did get two things. First of all, you have an amazing stadium, one of my favorites, been to all of them. And you did get Miguel Andohar, who is one of my favorites, who do not underestimate how good he's going to be. He's a really good player. And very quietly, he slipped over from the Yankees to the Pirates. You got him at the end of the year. So if you're a Pirate fan out there, please uh, keep an eye out for my guy, Miguel Andohar, because he is a really, really good dude and a really, really good player. I'm glad to hear that because I liked him when he was on the Yankees. And uh, so I've been a fan since he first uh, came up with the Yankees and now uh, a member of the Pirates. Yes, indeed. You can tell sports memorabilia is a part of my life, Brandon. Before we talk about your latest venture, let's go back to when you were a poor kid in Brooklyn and your story is a really fascinating one. You barely had enough money to hop on the subway and to follow your favorite team, the Yankees. Take us back to those days and what it was like for you to just get the opportunity to see the Yanks in person. Well, first of all, I got evicted from my childhood at an early age. So <laughs> it wasn't much of a childhood. I was rock and roll at an early age. And second of all, I never hopped on the subway because when you're from Brooklyn, you figure out schemes of, how to get into the subway, which is getting the master key to all the locks, and then you'd open up those locks and sneak on the subway. I never, I never jumped over token boots or anything like that because I had the freaking key to the locks to get in. But that's the Brooklyn story, and, and, and probably a good one for another day. You know, listen, uh, you know, I, I was a crazy sports fan, lo- loved sports. Uh, I had a group of friends I'm still friendly with that we talk about sports daily. I mean, hundreds of texts about everything. So we still have a fandom and there's nothing like the back and forth and chaos and craziness that goes on in sports. And uh, it, it kind of get you off some of the trials and tribulations, which is how I felt as a kid. You know, when you're growing up poor in Brooklyn and things are tough, um, you know, anything that kind of take you off of those struggles and trials and tribulations, which sports gives you that right and opportunity is a blessing. Um, I started working when I was 10. Um, probably the big break for me was, getting my paper out. Some of you out there that remember when you got a newspaper delivered, I was one of those kids. But I figured I had to go deliver a whole bunch of stuff with the newspapers. 
And that's how I kind of got off to the races. I was delivering milk, bagels, and anything else anybody needed in the neighborhood to kind of build up a pretty good uh, route and making some good money. I think the real break for me was, you know, working through all that. And, you know, that's an early age to be working from 10 on. But when I went to college and, you know, fortunate enough to go to Syracuse, and for me, um, I, you know, Syracuse going there was a dream. And I lived with a college football player uh, during those years. And that's really kind of gave me a little taste of the sports business and kind of how it worked. A lot of times people look at a business and say, oh, yeah, I'd really like to get into that business. But we, we, we want to get into is how those kind of businesses work and are created. And I think sometimes people make the mistake, like, because the Maribillion thing looks kind of easy. But if we look at the idiosyncrasies and how it works, which is first and foremost, understand how these players look at their stuff, how teams look at their stuff, and then how fans look at their stuff, then you can maybe figure out a way to get involved in that particular business. I was just fortunate enough to be able to have that experience um, with Ken Mandeville at the time, who played with Joe Morris, former giant running back, and, and, and see a dome get built, which at that time was the first dome in the country. And, and I was always like a student. You know, I'm the I'm really, really, really struggled in school. I just want to mention that um, I had a learning disability and, and have always still to have trouble reading and writing. Even though I've written three books, I'm half illiterate, but I'm I'm just a curious cat and and I'm not afraid. Even though I don't have a lot of answers, I'm the most insane question asker of all time. Um, I grew up in a house where my brother basically told me pretty much every day, multiple times that I'm an idiot. Um, I, I thank him every day for that because it just made me even more curious. And, and, and then eventually I realized that I wasn't an idiot, but I think it took me like 30 years to figure that out. Because I always thought I wasn't that smart. I think you would be happy to know that one of the guests that I had on Sports Jam when it started way back when was the great Jim Brown. And we talked about his days not only on the football field, but his days on the lacrosse field and how he starred for Syracuse in both of those sports. What would Jim Brown, if he came on the scene now, he would be the most marketed athlete of all time, I would think, with his skills, right? Well, he's the greatest athlete of all time, so I imagine he'd be the greatest marketed. Plus, he was a personality. I uh, had a relationship with Jim over the years, and, you know, what's crazy is, like, Jim would be, would come over to the lacrosse game still in his track and field clothes and have to play in part. I was just, I was clearing out Coach Desco was won 10 championships with Syracuse and lacrosse. And I was clearing out his office, which we actually sell all the stuff right out of his locker on our website, you know, on Collectible Exchange. Anyway, and he showed me a picture of like Jim Brown and, and one of his last years playing uh, lacrosse. And he still went down the track and field stuff because he didn't have time to change. <laughs> it's insane. And, and the other story that Jim tells me, which is insane, is. You know, he quit the basketball team because they weren't allowed to have three black starters. You know, people forget, like, it's, it's hard to really understand. And I'm not saying I completely do, but having spent time with Bubba Smith, who, you know, Bubba from Police Academy for all these out there. But, you know, Bubba was a great defensive end. But he was also, like, the first black player to start at Michigan State. And people don't realize that like, Jim Brown had to quit the basketball team and they let him because they didn't want to have three black starters. That's how insane. But um, Jim was a force to be reckoned with. And it's unfortunate because he really, he's a great running back and everything else. And uh, also in my favorite movie, the dirty dozen on a side note, but more importantly, 
he changed lacrosse and really had a major impact on lacrosse in, in, in so many ways. And, um, and certainly, I mean, I, I can't say enough what he did for Syracuse. You know, him, Ernie Davis. Obviously, we just lost Floyd Little. I mean, you look at those three guys, and, you know, those guys put our school on their back and, and represented and, and did so much. So, um, yeah, love Jim. Real, real blessing to be able to work with him a whole bunch of times and hear all the stories. Matter of fact, he's definitely a good amount of, in my first book. Uh, we did a couple of interviews for the first book that I wrote. And, you know, I call him up when I'm doing my, I used to have a radio show in the middle of it. I would just call him up haphazardly. And he's like, if we're not talking about football, I'll talk about anything. <laughs> you know, because he, he has so many, you know, he has so many social issues, um, you know, as far as working with youth, troubled youth, the, the jail system. I mean, this is a very, very interesting uh, player on so many levels uh, besides the obvious. I totally agree. He was a great guest on Sports Jam. After 32 years of overseeing Steiner Sports Marketing and Memorabilia, Brandon launched the Steiner Agency and Collectible Exchange. Now, what is different about this from Steiner Sports that we became so familiar with that eventually you sold to Fanatics? I mean, every, everything's different. I mean, you know, it was, it was first of all, you know, the Steiner thing was a little bit of a tough ending. Uh, Fanatics really wanted it. You know, that transaction wasn't exactly the way I wanted, but sometimes God has something better for you plan and it doesn't always transition the way you want. Love the company, and I'm flattering that Fanatics wanted it that bad, but I was really ready to create what I did here now, a collectible exchange. And, and the difference is everything. You know, it's not only a place to go buy stuff, which I probably have three times as many items on collectible exchange as I ever did on Steiner, but it's also a place to sell. There's so many people that are sitting with so many items, they're downsizing, when they have stuff that's left to them, they don't know what it's worth. So we help you authenticate, we help you evaluate, and help you sell and package up your stuff. And I, I can't tell you, I mean, I, I probably get three or four calls a day with people with, I mean, crazy collections. I like to think I was a part of them collecting and some of the craziness that they've collected over the years. And I'm hoping that a lot of the products I've created, people enjoyed. And some of it went up with value. I never really pushed, like, buy this. It's going to be able to send your kid to college. But, you know, collectible exchange really helps you give you a fair chance to understand what you have. So if you are leaving it to someone or you are trying to size up whether you should keep it, get insurance, or want to trade something in for something else because I'm 63. My kids change their mind every other day. Why can't I change my mind? Like, my friends would give me a hard time because I'm now an Islander fan and less of a Ranger fan. And they're like, you can't change your allegiance to a team. Now, I don't know if anybody listening agrees or disagrees, but I am. My kid changed his allegiance to his team like five times when he was a young kid. I'm a young kid. I'm changing my allegiance. I'm all about Islanders now. I love the Islanders. So um, I think the site gives you that opportunity to, you know, say, you know, so maybe I don't want that Bernie Williams jersey. Maybe I want something else. Gives you an opportunity to do it in a really organized, classy way. And to be honest with you, just to sum it up, collectible exchanges going after eBay is that part of its business. I think they do a horrible job. I don't think they really give the credit to some great collectors out there that are selling stuff because you're buying stuff from somebody you don't even know who it is. And on my site, there's a lot more transparency, clarity, and help. So uh, I'm loving it so far. I'm like a little kid. This has been an amazing transition for me. And particularly because of the amount of people that have been sitting with all this stuff underneath their beds, in their closets. I mean, you're 
what I love about you is I could see the joy you're having with your collection, which is what it's about. But a lot of people aren't. They're sitting within their closets in a box. They don't know what to do. Hey, go sell that stuff. Give the money to charity. Hey, go sell that stuff and buy some stuff that you really want. Go buy yourself a new car, whatever. And um, so far, so good. It, it's been an amazing. I, you know, I'm not a big techie, by the way, but I'm really learning. Um, uh, I'm not, you know, my, my social media has always been really strong. I've gotten into it. And now I'm really learning how the tech space, marketplace, and all these types of sites really work. So it's really like a fully new education for me. And uh, so it's been challenging in that regard. And I'm hoping customers are appreciating and we're doing the things that they really want to help them. You can visit cxstuff.com to find out more information about Collectible Exchange and find out everything that Brandon's doing now. It took me 40 years to get a picture with Manny Sanguian, my favorite player of all time. Catcher. Great. Love him. And it, I, I was speechless when I when I met him. I turned into an eight-year-old. What piece of memorabilia do you have either at home or in your office where you're at in Yonkers today that you wouldn't part with no matter what? Well, first of all, I just want to tell you two things. First of all, there's a free book. If you go to my website, if you want any of my three books, just go there. And I think you just pay for the shipping, but the books are free. Second of all, I had a great relationship with Willie Stargell. I got to throw that in your face a little bit. What? An amazing guy. What a great guy. And by the way, I bring it up also because he has one of the best autographs. And I've secured over 25 million autographs over the years. So I've seen a lot of autographs get signed. I put him in my top three best autographs of all time. Wow. I mean, clean. He, he His mother or one of his teachers might have been slapping his wrist with a rule. Because the dude spelled every letter to perfection. Perfectly clean autograph. And as big a guy as he was, he was a teddy bear. And uh, miss him. You know, really had a lot of fun with him. Uh, represented the game well. You know, you ask your question often is asked me. And, and, and I've moved away from having my favorite thing because I have so many things. And my wife does not, you know, my, I agreed with my wife that I was going to move my collection on. So, but right now, I know it's going to sound crazy. I'm a quirky collector. So I'm actually in my office now. So I just... First of all, it's one of my favorite things because this is a thing of Albert Einstein. And and then I know it sounds crazy, but I don't know if you can see that Mariano photo. So first of all, Mariano would always come to my office and I've had a relationship with him since 95. And he would call me Einstein. Einstein, what do you, so I was always creaming up to all these crazy ideas. And he called me Einstein. Because he goes, you're a mad scientist, you're, you're Einstein. Like, And then what I love about that photo is that's a picture of him like really from his first, second year signing an autograph. <laughs> that's fantastic. I ask this question often, uh, so I'm going to ask it to you. You have an opportunity to go back in any baseball era you want. I know you're a Yankees fan, so you can pick three Yankees players. And you're going on a road trip with them. What three players are you going to pick, and where are you going? Well, I have been to every stadium. Uh, I did that with my son, which is amazing. I started when he was 10. It took us like 10 years to knock them all out. So the, the, where, where am I going isn't as precious, although if I can get on that old train back in the 30s or 40s, that would be amazing. Because I really feel like I lived the Yankees in late 60s, 70s, got to know Mantle, DiMaggio, did signings with them. 
represented Rizzuto, represented, worked a ton with Yogi, Whitey Ford, blah, blah, blah. And then obviously Jeter, Mariano, 20-year relationships there. But to me, I'd love to go back to the 50s, even though, granted, I did have a relationship with Mickey Yogi. I would love to go see a Bill Dickey. I'd love to go see some of those early 50s teams. And I'd be happy going nowhere other than to Ebbets Field and to go to see uh, Yankee Giants, Yankee Dodgers. Got to do something with Roy Campanella, the great catcher. I really didn't understand what a paraplegic was. I'm not going to lie. As I'm calling him, I was young, and I just thought he was paralyzed. So as I'm talking to him, I'm trying to convince him to come to New York. He's like, you know, I have to come with like three people. And, you know, I can't move my arm. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm so embarrassed. But so I got to spend the weekend with him. We worked it out. And uh, really one of my favorite sports moments, really, because here is a guy in a wheelchair coming off of a Hall of Fame, maybe one of the greatest catchers of all time. And first of all, never had a negative word, was so intelligent about the sport. Went to a lot of Dodger games. Any player I brought up to him, he had a full explanation of. You could see that the, the, the sport was just ingrained in him. Um, and I would love to go see back, go back and see those old Brooklyn Dodger giant, Brooklyn Dodger Yankee game, 51, 55. I got to meet Duke Snyder, but like I would have liked to have met him in his prime because I don't know if people realize how good a center field he was. Why? Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle. I mean, you know, those are not and no names, like you know that kind of thing. So, but those are those are those are incredible teams that were right before I kind of came into the world, and I think that's where I would like to go. Even though it would be intriguing to see what the hell was going on with Babe Ruth, uh, Ty Cobb, Lou Gehrig, and particularly Ty Cobb is very intriguing to me because he could have been the Michael Jordan back there that era. He still did a lot of marketing. I would have loved to have seen the shenanigans. I heard he was really arrogant, the insanity. That would have been intriguing for me. And then, you know, to have met Lou Gehrig probably would have been amazing to get a flash of Babe Ruth through the ultimate autograph sign and the business that I have been so fortunate to be a part of. But to actually see Babe and his approach to all this is probably one of the great self-promoters, self-marketers, and great maybe greatest player we've ever known. That would have been intriguing, like to go catch him in somewhat of his A day where he was pitching, hitting, and, and just really running, running the show. That would have been, I mean, it'd be tough to not want to get on a couple of train rides with him. So, with all those wonderful greats, Aaron Judge passed them all with 62 home runs in a single season for the Yankees. How do we determine what a baseball is worth brandon you're an expert at this how do you determine what memorabilia is worth we know supply and demand but it goes much beyond that i think when you look at the worth of collectibles in general first of all memorabilia is memories memories memorabilia so it's memories that matter so first of all is you know how important is the memory and in some cases they're priceless in some cases what someone's willing to pay in some cases it's what someone's willing to risk thinking that down the road this memory is going to matter and last. So, you know, there's a different factors that go into it. And in this day and age, the other thing that comes in, which is a little out of the box, but if I buy this, the notoriety, the fame, the PR that I'm going to get from this surpasses the actual value of the product. So if I go and buy the Judge 61 ball, which I don't know what the hell happened to that guy, what he was thinking. I'm not, I mean, what a moron that guy was. 
I mean, you know, he's holding on to the ball, whatever. The whole fun of his, but I, I don't know, maybe he'll do something interesting. Right now, I'm down on that guy. But he would have got millions of dollars of opportunity of PR just by him selling it. Or he could have donated it somewhere. Now the value was put out there by me and I think a couple other auctioneers. Um, he could have put it out there to a charity and said the ball is worth $3 million. Because as an expert, that's what I thought it was worth. And he could have got a write-off. Players have changed through the years, and you've seen it all. When it comes to marketing, autographs, sessions, dealing with athletes, what have you noticed about today's athlete as compared to the people that you just mentioned? Well, it's funny. I, I see a better quality, uh, a better quality overall person uh, that understands the accountability and responsibility that comes with this gift and, and the money and everything else. I know there's always a spot when a player that does something stupid and idiotic. That's always going to be the case. So there's no industry or profession that's perfect. But players now understand that with all this money comes great responsibility, accountability, and they know that it's got to be in that. They've got to do something with it. You see a lot more players doing a lot more good, acting a lot more appropriately. You know, back when I got started, uh, if there were cell phones – there'll be a lot less guys in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the insanity, uh, the, the just absolute insanity. And I'm talking about all the way up to the 80s. Obviously, I wasn't around. I traveled with a lot of these guys in the 80s and early 90s, and the insanity was incredible. But the stories that a Mickey or a Billy Martin or Rizzuto would tell me, thank God there are no cell phones. So I like today's player. I mean, there's a lot of responsibility and a lot on them uh, above and beyond just being a great player because you can't have a bad couple of weeks because there's so much attention and media to everything you do. So you really do need to have your act together at a really early age because something you say or something you do can be detrimental. So I, I like today's player. Um, I think their work ethic is over the top. I think in a lot of cases, particularly in baseball, I think there's too much, too much. I think the players are getting too big, too strong and, I don't think that support is meant for that. Uh, just my opinion. And I think that's why we're having so many injuries. I'd like to see uh, less of those players working out, being a little more limber, faster, quicker, as opposed to being stronger, just trying to hit home runs. But so I see a lot more injuries uh, in today's game. I mean, you know, you know, pitchers, Bob Feller, who brought to my attention many times, like pitch more one hitters and full complete games. I mean, how is this possible? It's like a skinny little guy. So, um, you know, I miss that. I miss, you know, a pitcher finishing a game. I miss the same lineup day in and day out. Um, I miss a player staying with a team and not worrying about having to go somewhere else to get the money. You know, I like being a fan of a player through the ups and downs for 10, 15 years as opposed to having to constantly flip-flop on it. Yeah, I have to say, you know, I, I – I love the days when I could go one through nine in a batting order and know every player or every team. I uh, can't do that anymore. I could give you the 1971 World Series lineup like uh, one would not believe, but not anymore. You know, the, one of the most famous autographs in sports is Brandon Steiner. If you are a collector, you have seen his autograph many times because he signs <laughs> off. So did you put any thought into your signature and has it changed over the years? Yes, I have, as a matter of fact, because I'm in three books. 
signing a ton of checks, which I do keep my checks, by the way. I have all these checks back from the day from whether it be Floyd Little and Mickey Mantle, Phil Rizzuto, Louis Stargell. <laughs> I keep all the checks because I used to personally make out the checks and then they would sign the back. But I'll tell you just a quick story. I was in Lawrence Taylor's house in, uh, I think it was 91 after they won the Super Bowl. And Lawrence was, first of all, he was a very intimidating man. I had a good relationship with him. But he's, he's a very intimidating man when he gets a little upset. I'm not going to lie. He can make you poop in your pants. Like, he is one badass. Hey, Sully, man, I hope I never get back in there. I will kick your ass. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Son, I got to bed in this. So we're in the house, and we have so many things from the sign. We had to get a tractor trailer. And he's looking at me. He's growling. He doesn't want to do it. And I turned to him, I go, you know, Lawrence, you don't have to sign Lawrence Taylor. You can go L Taylor. He goes, seriously? Now, you got to remember, this very early in the collectible business. And I've guided a lot of players over the years of improving their signature, doing things so you don't get just some crappy little thing. But I go, he goes, he actually stopped and, and gave me a hug. He goes, that's the smartest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because there's a guy, everybody's going, people are asking his autograph. Lawrence was like the most popular human being other than Michael Jordan for 15 years. So when I started signing my autograph, <laughs> I don't have the best handwriting, but I always try to spell it out. I went with the B signer. You'll see most of my autographs in the B signer, but when I sign my book, I sign the full name always with an inscription. Being an inscription guy, I started the inscription thing in the autograph business. I was the first guy to go and say, you've got this moment, you've got this photo, can't just sign it. You've got to write an MVP. World Series, uh, Stanley Cup champs. I was the first guy to really put that in play and charge a premium for it. So I said, you know, every autograph I sign on a ball or if I sign on a book, it comes with an inscription uh, and, and a personalization if asked. So I'm, I'm, I can't, you know, I can't not do that and ask players to do that. So I feel like I've done my duty. And and the second book, you got to have balls, was the name of that book. Anybody who wanted to punish me for signing all these autographs. Um, I had to sign up. That book, that book took off. You got to have balls, and that's how the whole business came together. Is my you got to have balls. And by the way, I just happen to have it, but this is the uh, I don't know if you can see that. So I always write an inscription, you know, and this one you got balls, and you know, and and this kind of has a couple of my favorite phrases and stuff on there. But so I've, I've sold thousands of these balls, and it's outrageous to be honest with you that when I go on eBay and I see people like will buy my autograph for 25 or 30 bucks. It's outrageous. And I do get requests in the mail and stuff. Um, I, I definitely bring them home to my, I definitely bring them home to my kids to show that how relevant I am. And they definitely don't believe me, but it's, I get a kick out of it. It's fantastic. And you know, it is really about memories. And that was a perfect comment that you talked about memorabilia because the Clemente Jersey that I have behind me, and I know that you loved Roberto as well. When I had Vera on the show, years ago we talked about how he struggled just to get out of bed and the fact that he loved calypso dancing and the memory of that interview will stay with me for a lifetime and that's why roberto is special to me because i knew what he had to do in order to perform at that level and uh, we miss him so very much and manny sanguine who's also behind uh, me there his jersey they were great friends and they were innovators in the world of, of latin baseball and to this day um, we see the impact that both of those players have had. Brandon Steiner, you are truly a legend. 
You are truly someone that we can go to always to find out, hey, what's hot? What's the best? What's the price? And great, great stories from you. And that's what we've had here on Sports Jam. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Keep it going. And I, I wish you a lot of luck in Pittsburgh this year. It'd be nice for the Pirates to win a World Series. Maybe next year could be their year. You never know, but unlikely. <laughs> Thanks again. <laughs> Take care. Sports Jam is a WBGO Studios production. You can hear all the past shows by going to wbgo.org slash sportsjam. Or you can find Sports Jam with Doug Doyle on the NPR list of podcasts or wherever you hear podcasts. Special thanks going out to Sammy Steinlight for hooking us up with Brandon Steiner. Until our next Sports Jam session, I'll see you at the game.